0: Okay, so we're talking about being parents this morning, and we're talking about being kids. And I don't know about you, but the moment I get into those sorts of topics, they're, they're one of the big things that comes up is regrets. Um, I remember when our kids were young. I remember being sleep-deprived. And there were nights when they just wouldn't listen as we were trying to get to bed. And I remember losing it. I remember lots of times where I'm not proud of how I behaved. Um, there's things now where we have conversations with the kids and they're feeling anxious and so they express that in different ways and sometimes in unhelpful ways and my response is to escalate the matter rather than to calm the waters and I regret it. I don't
1: know about you kids, maybe
0: you even regret sometimes how you respond to mum and dad. It is hard, isn't it? Um, I thought we'd start off with getting the gilts out really clearly, so kids, one of the first activities there on your sheet is to circle um, five things in that list of words that are the perfect pairing, to describe the perfect pairing. I thought we'd put together a bit of a perfect pairing over here, so if you want to come and uh, give me some suggestions, you can just put your hand up or something like that, Tali's going to help me by um, putting some blue tack on these body parts, and we're going to assemble for ourselves the perfect pairing. Does someone want to put up a hand and say something that describes the perfect parent? Understanding. Understanding. Sheep. <laughs> so understanding. Kids, Ben's got one on the sheep. What's that? You got 23. Give me one. Fun. What else have we got? Yeah? Trust. Thank you. Trust. What else can we describe? Shows love. Yeah, affection. I'll do just shows love because of, I'll run out of lead. <laughs> and one last
1: one?
0: Not giving you the keys to the car. <laughs> not giving you the keys to the car? Oh, not being mean with the keys to the car, yes. That's a pretty bad one. Any other other thoughts? Providing. Providing. That's a good one, isn't it? All right. Charlie's going to assemble the last bits of the perfect parents. Pretty intimidating already. We could probably make the list a bit longer than that. Being beheaded by the fans up top. So I've got a bit of a description of the perfect parents. So here's the problem, I hear that, I, uh, I know the sheer number of books written on parenting every single year. I can go online and I can sift through blog posts and find no end of advice. I can walk into Kuro and get Christian parenting books by the, the dozens. I think the only thing that gets more books is the, the dating section. Where do we start so that we don't feel overwhelmed and guilt-ridden and feel like we never make it as parents? Where do we start to, to sort of find, understand parenting well? Um, what I want to suggest this morning is we need to start,
1: we're going to be looking
0: at Colossians 3.20-21, but we want to start by actually looking at the Bible in context. What is it? What? Where does parenting and children come from? Where does it come from? Where do we understand it? Uh, just like we did with marriage, we're going to put it in context and then go to the passage and really look at what these instructions mean. Um, so, where we start? We start with God. Uh, and we remind ourselves that God is actually the only perfect parent. Uh, because God is not just like a father. God is father. That is his name and it's his nature. And so we actually learn about human parenthood by by starting with who God is and actually going to who God is. So kids, has anyone moved to the next page and looked at Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 15? I was trying to find it. The parents can also um, look around for Ephesians 3, 14 to 15. We've got a verse there and it talks about what it means for God to be father. 14 and 15 Anyone going to fill in the first cap for me for this reason I kneel before the Father the Father from whom every anyone else want to have a <laughs> Ben's jumping in pretty quick from, every, from whom every family in heaven and on Er derives its okay. Ben's reading really along really well. Oh, well done. Okay, so here's a verse from the Bible. What is it saying? It's actually saying that parenthood isn't something that people invented. It's not that um, we, we, we sort of as a social construct construct families developed over time. It's not that we evolved to help our kids survive and therefore families hang into existence. Families exist because God is Father and every other family derives his name from Him. Families exist because there is an the eternal Father and an eternal Son in a loving relationship for everybody. Now, that is really important for us to grasp because if you think about the modern pictures of families, they're not, particularly fathers, they're not always flattering ones. So, you know, uh, for a long time, Homer Simpson was probably the classic example of a father on TV. Uh, I think a more modern example might be uh, um, Daddy Pig, or Pepper Pig. But let's be honest, they're not great pictures. Daddy Pig is not a lovely bloke, but he's a bit of a doofus and he's fat <laughs> and kids constantly telling him how fat he is <laughs> <laughs> they're not great pictures and so, and, and worse we can have experiences of fathers that are far less than they should be so I had a lady in uh, my first congregation this morning for tears because talking about dads and, and kids actually reminded her of her, her father and just how violent he was and unloving and uncaring. If we had to work from understanding our parents to understanding God, it could sometimes be very difficult. It could even be hurtful. But what God actually said, no, you start with me. You start with understanding who I am and what it means for me to be a father. And you'll actually then be able to learn what it is to be a father or a mother, had a parent. It actually works the other way, and I think that's really helpful. Uh, so let's work again. Um, we're going to build ourselves the perfect um, parents again, but we're going to go to Colossians. Um, I'll put these ones up on the screen. We're going to jump around a bit. We're going to put together a few things that says about what it means to Jesus, for God the Father to be Father to Jesus and to us. And one of the first things is that He loves His Son. So here in Colossians, we were told that we've been rescued. Uh, from the dominion of darkness, and brought into the kingdom of the Son, He loves. What a way to describe God's kingdom—that it's ruled by a Son loved by the Father. That that relationship sits at the root of what it is to be in God's kingdom. I just think that's a, a great thing. God loves; He gives His Son a kingdom. Um, more than that, uh, John five is a whole conversation between God the Father and about God the Father and the Son. And one of the things it says, the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. So God the Father has a project he's working towards and he includes his Son, he trains and equips his Son, and he involves his Son in that work. That's a picture of God as a perfect Father. Um, he disciplines, uh, he disciplines us. So Hebrews 12, verse 7 says, to endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father. And also, Ben, yes, what, what's the last one? Doesn't have one of them. Does it have Matthew 7? Yep, for, the fourth one is God provides. And, and Jesus points to that and he says, If you then, know, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Him? And, and this is God the Father. Um, let's draw our picture again. Let's uh, create a new perfect Father. how do you want to come up and help me? Okay. eyes and love the um, distance distance So what we're doing is we're, we, we can put together what we hope is a picture of a perfect Father. We actually have, we look at God the Father and we learn a whole lot more about what it means for God to be Father and what it means for us to be his parents. Um, so that's where we're going to start this morning. Here's the question I want to put to us. Do you know God as Father like us? i just said before, you know, we can build a picture of what God is like from our earthly father. And sometimes that's a really helpful thing, but sometimes that's unhelpful. And it makes us focus on things that aren't, or or relate to God in in sort of a limited way. So if we have experience of a father is always loving and doting, we might be shocked that that God also disciplines us. Or more likely, knowing how guys sometimes are, if you've had an experience of a father who is harsh, it can be hard to believe that God the Father loves us. We really want to know God like this. We want to learn that he does provide for us and cares for us. We want to be reminded this morning um, that our relationship with God can be this rich. We can have a whole broad range of uh, things that God does to us. Um, He is both disciplinarian and provider. He is the one who loves, but he also calls me to change. So we're going to uh, pause at that point i might uh, pray, and then we're going to uh, spend some time singing in How about I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you show us what fatherhood is like, that you teach us what it is to parents, kids. Um, please do encourage us that you love us in this way, that you care for us in this way, and you want to be our father. As we trust in Jesus, you are our father, and we can know you in this wonderful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to reflect on what we've already been sharing with us with the what We've We've thought broadly about God being parents. Time to come to Colossians three, and to just hear specifically what it says. Um, And what I hope we see is that it teaches us a lot. It's actually a fairly simple little couple of verses, but they actually—it's a beautiful symmetry, a beautiful relationship that it's describing. Um, and it's a really nice balance between God's command for kids and God's command for parents. I, I, I don't know if the kids are going to feel that, so the moment I read the first verse, children, obey your parents in everything for this plea the Lord. I can imagine most of you are looking very studiously at your colouring in sheets um, and avoiding eye contact. Um, I know that feeling. Uh, it's hard enough when you're here to obey, it's even harder when you're in in everything, isn't it? Like that. Is tough. Um, we have a, a kid's talk, which we might do now, that sort of talks about what it means to obey parents, and I'm going to get Steve to help me out with that, is that okay? <laughs> you guys want to sit up the front and watch that? because he's going to have to do some acting for me. So kids, it's helpful to remember that these are instructions about how to live every day pleasing the Lord. And so, we've got every everyday think, What does it mean to please the Lord? And one of the ways that we are to please Him is to obey parents. And so we're going to tell the story of a little boy, right in front of us, a little beard, (laughs) a little boy named Johnny. Now, Johnny was a happy boy. But Johnny loves his mum and his dad, and Johnny also loves and obeys Jesus. One night, mum called out. Before you play with your friends, please clean up your room, Johnny. Johnny wasn't happy. He wanted to play with his friends. He didn't want to wait. Johnny decided he'd clean his room up later. But just as Johnny was leaving, his mum called out again. Johnny called back, yes I've cleaned my room. Yes, I'll
1: clean my room.
0: And bought key things. But then Johnny remembered what God had said. Johnny went back to his room. Johnny cleaned his room. But more importantly, God was pleased. Okay, scene two. Johnny was a happy boy. Oops. That shouldn't happen. Um, Johnny loves his mum and dad, and also loves and obeys Jesus. And one day his dad called out. Johnny, I've lost $10. Have you seen it? Johnny called back, No Dad. No dad. I haven't seen it anywhere. But then Johnny remembered what God had said. Johnny hung his head and called out, "I took it. I took it. It's in my pocket. It's in my pocket." I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. Johnny had told the truth. Dad was pleased, but more importantly. God was blessed. Final scene.
1: Nuts, hey! <laughs> Alright, Johnny was a happy boy.
0: Johnny loves his mum and dad. Johnny also loves and obeys Jesus. And one day his mum and dad said, you you Nintendo? Like garbage. Johnny wasn't happy. He wanted to play Nintendo. He didn't want to put out the garbage. He decided to push it under the table instead. They didn't know. Johnny began to sneak away. But then Johnny remembered what God had said. Do not on Johnny went back to get the garbage. Johnny took out the garbage. (coughs) Mum and Dad were pleased. But more importantly, God was pleased. See kids, Colossians 3 verse 20 says, Obey your parents. And that's really good for pleasing your parents. But what it's saying is, we do that because of Jesus. We don't just obey our parents because they might get angry. We obey our parents. Because our parents love and care for us in Jesus. God calls us to obey our parents in Jesus. Fair enough? Now, kids, there's a little more to be said there. <laughs> and apparently, Colin has a bit to say as well.
1: Because.
0: We, we find it very hard to obey, don't we? And we actually live in a culture where kids are told that maybe you shouldn't always obey your parents. If you think about current movies, so my kids this week, they're hoping to go and see Christopher Robin. Robert, at least grandma and grandpa are hoping to take them to see Christopher and Robert. Uh, we watched the uh, trailer for it recently, and it sounds like a fun movie, but, if you think about what the message was, basically we saying, kids get it right, Adults, get it wrong. Adults don't know how to have fun anymore and they need to stop and listen and learn from their kids and they'll do a whole lot better. And I think we can find plenty of movies that will give us that sort of message, won't we? That actually parents don't know too well and sometimes it's the kids who you know better. Yes. Now there's a, there's a reason we think that way in the society and it has a lot to do with this guy here. His name is Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And he, had, he actually wrote a book back in the 1700s that has become, everyone really, really agrees, it was really influential in how we educate kids. It has shaped a whole lot of our educational theories for years and years and years. And his basic thinking was, children begin perfect, by nature they're, they're born innocent, and it's society that actually build them. And so Rousseau said you should actually give kids freedom to explore. That's, that's the way that kids will grow and mature. Basically just let kids be, and the more you leave them alone, give them opportunity to develop it, the more that they will become healthy, well-balanced adults. I, I don't know if that sounds like things you hear, but it feels pretty familiar. Now, before we all jump into Rousseau's boat, though, I should actually point out, Rousseau believed this so strongly that in the 23 years he was living with his mistress and then it took him 23 years to get around to actually marrying her. Uh, Rousseau had five kids and all of them he handed on to an orphanage to raise. And this is the guy that for some reason shaped our educational feelings. Uh, if we bother to match people's opinions to how they live, I'm pretty really not sure we take so much advice from the site. <coughs> What does that mean? It's not that, he's, that there's some some wisdom in listening to kids. I think it corrects a whole lot of stuff that we might have got wrong in previous, at previous times. But Colossians three is saying it's actually okay to say no as parents. It's actually okay. It's right that sometimes obedience will be a decision for kids. They actually have to choose to do something they don't really want to do. That's okay. Uh, and kids, be careful who you listen to. Uh, not every movie is right, but we just heard that one of the big thinkers that shaped a whole lot of our movies, if you were his kid, you wouldn't be here right now. You'd be, be growing up in the north. Uh, God says, obey your parents. And I know that's tough, but sometimes parents get it wrong, and if an adult keeps on hurting you, then you do need to tell someone you trust that it's not right. But God says, obey your parents because he wants parents to care for you. And that leads us to the second part, doesn't it? This is the beautiful symmetry. Verse 21 says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And this is really important, isn't it? Because otherwise, there's no balance. Uh, I want to say, first of all, this is radical today. day. Uh, Roman law uh, said that the, the patria protestus, the father had total power. And particularly over his kids, he could, give the, uh, he could um, sell a child to slavery, he could uh, make him a labourer in their workforce, they could even the father was able to hold the trial, convict his child, and carry out a death sentence in his own family, and that was legal. So, into that context, Paul writes and says, now hold on. Fathers have a responsibility to not admit to their kids, not be frustrated. And, and I think it's really important for us to hear because I know too many Christians who've had frustrated parents. And either now aren't Christian now, for that reason and say how their parents treat them. Or at the very least that they struggle to relate with God because of the way they were treated as a child. And now, that said, I, I, think I understand how it happens. I think how I understand how this dynamic sometimes falls apart. Uh, There's a really helpful book, Love and Respect in the Family, uh, by a guy named uh, Egridge. And he has this really helpful diagram. He talks about this dynamic in families where, um, you start a cycle anywhere, but you know, kids want to feel loved, don't they? Kids want to feel loved. Um, feel loved. They don't feel loved. They don't feel like they're getting the attention. So what's one of the ways that you deal with that? Well, you can misbehave. You can act down. What happens when, when kids misbehave to try and get attention from their parents? Um, well, parents actually feel disrespected. They don't feel like their kids are taking them seriously. What do parents do badly when they feel disrespected? Well, essentially, parents yell louder, don't they? Uh, parents come down hard to get <laughs> obedience. Um, I was trying to remember the name of that movie where you all the people inside the head. The little girl, yeah, what's the name of that? Inside out, and you know that the dad decides to put the foot down, and <coughs> you know, all the kids' voice, voices in their head are going, just put the foot down and they press the button. This was going to solve the problem. That's how, as parents, we can, we can actually be frustrated, can't we? How do you break this cycle? Well, somebody has got to choose to, to do something different. So it can be parents and it can be kids. Uh, kids, if you're not feeling loved, you feel like mum and dad aren't paying you attention. You might actually think, you know, what I can do in this situation is show them love. Show mum and dad respect, obey them, um, and that will make a difference. It'll actually help to break the cycle. And parents, Colossians is saying, the way to break the cycle is to be patient and gentle in the way that it is. Uh, and to not just uh, let it be and let it all happen. someone to break the cycle. Now, I, I show that diagram not to say that that's why Colossians 3 is right, as if the psychology proves the Bible, but just to say that there's real wisdom in what Colossians 3 is saying. The perfect father is teaching us that, that this is a good thing to, to obey parents and to show um, patience and love for kids. Here's how I'm remembering it. Kind leadership is easier when there's obedience. And obedience can be a joy if there's kindness. Kind leadership is easier when there's obedience, and obedience can be a joy if there's kindness. Now, um, we're going to wrap up soon, but I actually thought, I'm half of the parenting team, I probably do a little bit like we did last week. I'm going to get Joss up and probably ask her a few questions uh, just on her views on how we raise kids and how it works. Kids at the end of this, if you've done your colouring sheet, um, if you come and see me, I've got a bunch of lollies that you will be able to take home and have to do the appropriate one for your parents say okay. <laughs> okay, Joss, so um, that crazy cycle and trying to break it as parents, sometimes that's easier than others. When, when, do, you, when do you and I find it challenging? Um, and what do we do to try and break the circuit? I find it challenging
1: when I'm tired. Um, when I when weeks have been really busy and lots have been happening, and particularly I think when we're trying to get somewhere, um, are you church in the morning or school in the morning or something like that? And that's when I find that I get most frustrated with the kids um, when they're being told something a number of times to get ready for school and they're not. Um, I think there are times that I try and I try hard. Um, Things that we try to do, um, I try to be more patient and to take a breath and then walk the other direction and then come back and tell the kids that I need to clean their teeth, um, rather than yelling at them. Um, yeah, so, I should do that. Um, I don't always do a very good job of it. Um, so, the other thing I think is really helpful is when I do lose my temper, is actually saying sorry to kids, which is a happy city car when I come to school. I'm sorry that I got um, angry. Yeah, we have got all running away. It wasn't just me. Sometimes me gets under
0: everyone's skin as well, and I think in normality that is also helpful. I think the other thing I add um, is that I find my I do a lot of internal processing, and so sometimes I'm so distracted by thinking through my internal world, I'm, I don't realise they're running away and everyone else is there is getting my way, <laughs> and I think the family can end up tiptoeing around dealing with me in a bad mood and so it's helpful when Josh points that out to me at least so I I, I realise that at the very least it leaves the space for everyone else to function around me. Um, family devotions I reckon is one of those great illustrations of where it's hard to know what's frustrating for kids um, so yeah we've had a bit of a journey in front of do with devotions over the years, what are some of the things you do with uh, and not
1: um, So when they were little, it was easier, like in this age it's really easy to read, um, to get a kid's Bible and to read um, the Bible story with them and pray. Um, we found it really helpful to ask them questions, even at small ages, um, to find out how much they have comprehended and to encourage them to trust Jesus. Um, As they have got older, that's been trickier, particularly with the spread of ages in our house, so doing one, we we still do sometimes do one Bible reading with all of us together, but to accommodate a three-year-old, as you can see his dialogue at the moment, um, to an 11-year-old, and in between is um, tricky, so now we tend to try and do more age-appropriate Bible readings with different kids, Uh, Sometimes the older kids do it by themselves, um, but we always encourage them to do it. Um, sometimes we sit with one or the other of them and it's easier when Russell is home at bedtime. Um, so you can do two eat um, when it's only at home. It's harder to get through four um, different Bible readings at time. Um, so I found helpful Bible reading guides um, so that the children can be a bit more self-directed, the older ones. Um, and I've got a sample of children's Bibles and Bible reading God out there. I don't really have teenage ones out there because we're only just approaching the teenage age, but I do know resources to go to. So, um, yeah. The other thing, too, is just trying to, um, yeah, emphasize the importance of reading the Bible so we get to know God. And also then seeing me do it in the morning when I wake up, um, seeing Russ read his Bible too. Modeling, I think, is really important as well. Yeah, I think the other
0: thing, it's a space where I feel like I don't want to be frustrating to have my kids. Um, but at the same time, it is so important in their lives we don't stop doing. It. And so it means I've got to work hard on being creative always a good and always looking for
1: solutions. Can I say something else on that? I hope you don't mind Talia, but Talia's got to the point where she preferred just to read the Bible um, and not have the Bible reading bikes or whatever. Um, and so having some flexibility and letting her do that, she loves to read one and two kings, one and two Samuel. Um, so she's been reading and me reading and those for about a year, and Esther. Um, but I'm trying. We're trying to encourage her to branch out. So she and I have started reading One John together just recently uh, to try and read some other parts of God's Word.
0: As well. uh, last one um, is the problem of being a perfect parent or not being a perfect parent and getting any really guilt from that. Um, I think we'll just wrap up with that question.
1: What, what do you find, helps? Um God's grace. Um, and knowing that um, he forgives me um, and that he teaches me to forgive others, um, I find that probably the most helpful thing. Um, and also just giving myself chill, chill time, or space, I think, um, in my thought world, just to realise that we are all different individuals and our children all have four different personalities. And us and I have different personalities and we do things differently. Um, and so, yeah, seeking God's grace and guidance and seeking to live as God wants us to live, um, following Christ's example. Um, I don't do that very well, and so need to get on my knees. Not literally, but, um, yeah, ask God for forgiveness. Um, I find that's probably the, the thing that saves me from thinking oh, I'm the most precious parent in the world. Yeah. And, uh,
0: yeah, I think that's cool, isn't it? And, and looking in terms of doing this interview thing, it's not saying we're the perfect parents, I feel like a bunch of people who are actually better equipped and trained, and, and I really admire the idea of, that you guys are doing it for kids. So, about a pray, and then we will uh, close with a song. Heavenly Father, um, do help us in learning to love and care for each other and families, uh, to learn what each of us can do to see our family build up. Uh, help us uh, as parents to be wise. Um, to visit them well, uh, to show love and to not frustrate our kids in the the sense that we don't care. Um, We pray too for those of us who are kids, young and old, that we have wisdom to honour our parents and know when it's right to obey them because of you, because you call us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name.